Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Bible Ponder this week. We're glad to get back to um, Galatians and our series through this book after taking a wee break last week for Holy Week. So we're going to be continuing on with chapter 5 today and um, seeing how Paul um, moves on from this argument that he's developing through the whole book. So for the running start, he's um, been angry um, for the Galatians, at the Galatians, um, the, the churches there in South Galatia for seemingly um, going back away from the gospel that he first preached, which was um, freedom in Christ, that they had access to faith and to righteousness and all of these things through Jesus Christ, um, not through going through Judaism first. And what he seems to be suggesting that they have been doing is now going from that Christian faith back to Judaism and, and instituting certain parts of uh, a Jewish faith, specifically something like circumcision, in order to then somehow achieve more salvation or salvation through works. And so he's been de deconstructing that um, way of thinking and talking about um, Christ all centering in there in the end of chapter three, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Again, it is not um, a salvation where you have to fulfill certain requirements in order to be saved. And specifically, you do not have to be ethnically Jewish or follow the law. And he's going to um, continue that a bit here in chapter five, but he's also going to move on, um, kind of pass that into where we should be heading after we've deconstructed that and after we move on from that idea of going back into a righteousness under the law. So let's pick it up here in chapter five. And the first verse of chapter five um, kind of thematically goes with the end of chapter four. So the end of ch chapter four, he's been talking about Hagar and Sarah and doing this analogy of um, Ishmael and Isaac being under law or under grace. And so the verse one of chapter five, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. And that's what he's been talking about, um, a, a child of slave versus child of freedom. Now he'll sort of move on, so think of this as sort of a, you know, paragraph break here. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be new, of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that they are then obligated to obey the whole law. And that idea is, is pretty common in, in rabbinic Judaism and, and in ancient Judaism, where th there is no, you know, grading scale where you get an 80% or a 90%. It's the whole law or nothing. There's no point in um, following one or two things. And so even for him here now, he's using even their own arguments, the, the rabbi's own arguments that what, what good is it going to do you if you choose something like circumcision? but you don't follow everything. And there were something like 600, 613 commandments by the rabbis counting in, in the law. So following one or two or even 612 of them doesn't matter. You have to follow all of it. So what Paul is saying here is, what, are you going to just go back and follow all of it? So if you're going to choose one thing, you're basically going against Jesus anyway. So it is doing yourself a huge disservice. And then you are obligated to obey the whole law. Verse four, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. 
but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. And this sort of awaiting the righteousness is, is an idea. It, in the language here, it doesn't come out as much in English because of the grammatical constructions in Greek. Um, but what Paul is essentially saying is we have this status. We have this righteousness already granted to us. It is in the past with consequences ongoing. But it is not necessarily fully realized because of the way life works, because of the way um, human existence is. We're not perfect and we're always in process. We're always moving towards um, growing and getting better and doing all of these things. And so we have a status of righteous. We are not working towards some kind of salvation, again, in these works and following the laws and being circumcised in any of that. We have that granted to us. But we are still awaiting a sort of fullness of that that, that will come um, at some point in, in our lives or after death or whatever Paul is saying here. But it is a state that we have already that we are learning to live in the reality of, if that, if that makes some sense for you. And then we have another um, big thematic verse here in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, expressing itself through love is the way that um, the 1984 NIV, which is what I'm using here, um, puts it as the New Revised Standard Version does say, um, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. And that's a more literal translation of the word there is, is literally working, but the sense of it is is kind of a lot of these different things. And if you're reading the good news or a different translation, it might say something even a little bit different um, because they're all trying to get at this idea. It, it is faith having been worked through love. Again, it's, it's the, the grammar of the Greek is difficult to convey fully in English, but it it's this idea that it is faith combined with love and love is outworking in faith and, and it's all kind of tied up together faith and love and so it isn't these outward works these achievements that somehow get you salvation but it's faith woven in with love you were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. So he's literally talking about whoever this actual literal physical false teacher is who has come in and started um, spreading these kinds of, of what Paul would consider false teachings about needing to be circumcised and needing to go back into Jerusalem or to, into, into Judaism. And he uses that same um, athletic metaphor, the, the race metaphor that he uses a lot and other ancient writers use a lot in terms of the moral journey being a race. And... Um, so he continues, brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Um, and this may be that whoever is um, sort of tricking the Galatians or, or giving them that teaching might be saying, no, 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 Paul, Paul agrees with me, Paul agrees with me. Um, but Paul's argument here is is the it's the the 
what they called the Judaizers, the, the people who were going around trying to make Christians become Jews first and, and who were really quite violent and who were persecuting Paul and following him from city to city. They were angry that he was throwing away the law, that he was saying, no, don't follow the law, follow Jesus. And so his argument is, if I was now going back and saying you should be circumcised, they wouldn't still be persecuting me, but I am still being persecuted. Um, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished if you go back to the, the circumcision. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's, again, the NIV's translation, but the word that Paul uses there is a bit more generic, um, that they would just sort of cut themselves, mutilate themselves. But I think his sense here is pretty um, apparent. We can all get the kind of innuendo he's making if he's talking about um, them wanting to um, perform circumcision and he's saying, I wish they would just go all of the way. And um, Jews in particular had uh, quite a dislike of, of the eunuchs for some reason. And I don't really know the whole um, history behind that, but, but it seems to be that um, eunuchs were not really... Um, well liked or well thought of in, in Judaism, and so his insult here is is and his um, dramatic rhetoric is um, pretty obvious with what he means there. You, my brothers and sisters, this is verse thirteen, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Is again now the nineteen eighty four NIV has been updated, so the new NIVs, which are the ones that. Um, if you've got an NIV, you might have have this one. I think it was maybe 2010, and these are the NIVs that we have in the pews in, or in the chairs in Ellen Parish Church. Um, they've updated this because this is one of those points in the old NIV that betrayed a, a kind of translational bias that they had um, towards certain theological ideas. The word there is literally flesh, just flesh, you know, meat, flesh, and Flesh did have certain connotations in different contexts, and sometimes those were negative, especially in contrast, like Paul does here, contrasting flesh and spirit as two sort of different things. But what Paul isn't necessarily doing is imbuing that idea of fleshliness with a sort of sinful nature. And that goes into a sort of theological bias towards the idea of innate depravity, that every human being um, is born through and through sinful. And it is only through um, the process of faith and becoming a Christian and baptism and all of these different things that we somehow overcome that innate, dark, dirty sinfulness. But that is not um, what Paul is necessarily saying here by saying the word flesh. He's contrasting body and spirit. And that's a very common thing for ancient writers to do. And not all of them meant or assumed that the flesh was wholly, wholly bad. And we'll see Paul make this argument a bit later on, but what it, they often thought was that the body and, and the desires of your body left unchecked, left un, um, un, you know, guarded, um, would tend towards destructive ends. Um, your, your body wants to eat to survive. That is its natural inclination. You want to take in food in order to live because your body needs food. And left unchecked, you will overeat and you will become gluttonous, which was a vice and also dangerous health-wise. And so the distinction here is not the idea of the body being sinful, which then has not gone effects to how we view um, 
our human bodies and our humanness versus a sort of spiritual thing, which also led to other heresies later, the idea of um, Gnosticism, which is that um, Jesus may not have even had a body because the body is so bad. And, and that really gets to some really weird and dangerous and dark sort of theological places. If you start with assuming that just this bit of meat here is by definition evil. And that is not what Paul is saying here. The new NIVs um, do um, translate this as flesh and the NRSV as well, because that's what the word says. So um, I'm going to overcome that in my old NIV here. So I said, verse 16, live by, oh, no, not that. Ah. Um, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, um, Jesus quotes that verse as well, and other ancient Jews would, would say that as well. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. And this is an idea that's pretty consistent with other ancient philosophies. The idea that a, a good and moral and right person didn't need laws to be a good person. They, a good person was not a good person because there was someone there telling them what to do. They were good because they acted good and they had something inside of them to direct them. So they didn't need a set of rules and instructions. And that's a similar idea when he's saying here, if you were led by the spirit, you are not under law. We don't need the law anymore. Again, what he's arguing back in chapter three, the law was sort of a babysitter, a nanny until we were ready under Christ to move on from that. The acts of the flesh are obvious or out in the open, is what he means. Um, sexual immorality or fornication, however you want to translate that word, um, it often had to do with um, temple prostitution and different things like that, and, and um, coercive and um, non-consensual sort of acts of, um, again, going out seeking um, those sort of pagan worship prostitutes and things like that. Um, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And your list might be slightly different there. Again, these words are kind of generic in some sense, um, words for different bad behaviors. And um, Paul does this quite a few times in his letters, but it's also quite common in ancient letter writing to give lists to just say, um, you know, the acts of the sinful nature are blah, blah, blah. He's not being exhaustive. He's not trying to be definitive. He's not trying to say these are everything that is encompassed by um, the desires of the flesh or the acts of the flesh. But um, these are his examples that he pulls out of the air. And then he also will then contrast them just now with um, a sort of good list. So it's almost a pros and cons list. And that's common. And again, not meant to be exhaustive, but... He's sort of saying, here's everything, and it's out in the open. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so there's his, his good side of the list. And, and the idea of bearing fruit is a, is a common idea all the way through Judaism. And you even see it with Jesus himself and with the fig tree. He curses the withered fig tree or curses the fig tree that was bearing no fruit and makes that same metaphor of bearing fruit. And he also talks about the vine and the branches and all of the, the, that, that way of thinking of bearing fruit was, was a common sort of metaphor. And uh, he says, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So again, this idea, it, he is contrasting the flesh and the Spirit, but he's contrasting it not in the idea that the flesh is sinful and needs to go away, but that the flesh has desires, has impulses, has ways of, of being again this this idea that your body wants food and left unchecked that can be a dangerous thing for for your health and for your way of life um it, we are crucifying those desires to the desires of the spirit and it's the spirit who leads us but the spirit is also that that spirit of adoption that spirit that brings us freedom in this new life under christ it's not a spirit that leads us into law following or leads us into a way of life in which we have to achieve salvation by ticking certain boxes. It is that, again, that spirit of freedom that frees us. It frees us from being slaves to these same sorts of passions and desires that the body may or may not tie us to in Paul's way of thinking. So that is his contrasting there that he's doing. And again, again, holding up um, a list of um of vices versus a list of virtues and the fruit of the spirit they are very famous i remember as a kid um singing a song to go along with it so i'll never forget the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so that's galatians chapter five we've sort of moved out again of his argumentation around under law versus under grace and now he's kind of moving us towards um, how to actually live then under that spirit of freedom and how we should live. And then we'll conclude um, the letter in chapter six next week. So thanks for joining us again. If you want to check out any past videos, um, head to the Bible Ponder playlists on YouTube or Facebook, and you can catch up with us there. Thanks, everyone. Good evening.